Welcome to Hope Renewed, the podcast of PIR Ministries. Thanks for connecting to Hope Renewed, the in-depth podcast about pastoral renewal and restoration. I'm Tom Jameson, and along with co-host Sean Nemechek, we explore the issues and challenges pastors face and help cultivate a renewed hope for healthy ministry lives. Well, any pastor or ministry leader who has walked through a transition in their role knows that even a best-case scenario can be a challenge. And when you add in the pain and confusion of an unwanted or forced transition, it can be a daunting and even a frightening process. And too often in these situations, a pastor can rush the process out of a need for self-preservation and miss the very work God is doing during this time. And that leads to unhealthy decisions and connections, often ending in a worse place than when you began. Well, having a partner to walk with you and guide you during a time of transition can be a wise way to find healthy ministry context and to be healthy in them. And today on Hope Renewed, we're talking with one such partner, our friend and co-laborer for Ministry Hope, Matt Steen of Chemistry Staffing. Yeah, Matt is the co-founder of Chemistry Staffing. After serving churches as a youth pastor, church planter, and executive pastor, Matt now focuses his time on helping churches find long-term, healthy fits for their open ministry roles. Matt lives in Orlando with his wife, Teresa, and a retired greyhound named Nellie. Matt Steen, welcome to Hope Renewed. Hey, it's great to be here with you guys. Thank you so much for the time. And, and Nellie, Nellie sends her greetings as well. <laughs> well. So that's my question. Retired from Greyhound Racing? Well, you know what? So she is, she's two and a half. And she came of age right around the time when all the tracks in Florida were shutting down. And so she was on the training farm, but um, I, I, don't, I don't say this loudly because she's in the other room. She's a touch <laughs> distractible. <laughs> and so probably the last thing you need in a racing greyhound is somebody that's going to stop halfway and start sniffing everything. So I think, <laughs> I think that's why she didn't make it to the track, but, um, but she's, you know, she's, she's awesome. And, and, you know, distractible and all has, has just been a great addition to our family. So. And, and isn't it a joy to be able to find in our pets, those qualities that we see in ourselves sometimes too. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, some days <laughs> when she's stubborn, it's not so edifying. We'll put it that uh, way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Reflective. Well, Matt, we're, we're excited to have you on because uh, we're, we're just developing in our partnership with you, PIR Ministries and Chemistry Staffing. Tell us a little bit about Chemistry Staffing. What, what brought that about and what's the vision God's given you to serve the church? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we never, we never woke up and said, hey, I want to go be a recruiter. You know, I, I want to go be the, the, the church headhunter. That, that was never on the bucket list. That was never something that I said, hey, this is, this is what God's calling me to do. Um, my co-founder, Todd Rhodes, and I, we're, we're just church geeks, and, and we love the local church, and we wanted to figure out how do we help local churches get healthier. Mm-hmm. And, and for us, really, the low-hanging fruit was coming alongside churches in, in a staff search or a pastor search and, and helping them um, change that national average of like three years mm-hmm. to something closer to five and so as we kind of put our heads together, we said, you know, how, how do we do this and, and what do we do? And so for us, you know, chemistry at its core is more of a church health organization mm-hmm. than it is a staffing organization. 
And so we want to, we want to bring about stability in churches. You know, we want people to be there for five years or longer, mm-hmm. but part of it too, and, and you guys are going to understand this. Um, the dirty little secret is that the, the search process for candidates is miserable, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It is, yeah. it is soul sucking. And, and we'll talk to guys time and time again, who are just questioning their call because they haven't gotten an email back from a single church that they sent a resume out to. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so part of what we wanted to do in it as you know, we, we want to get people in place for five years on the church side, but we also wanted to make the process less soul sucking for, mm-hmm. for candidates. And we figured if we could at least email people back when we get a resume from them, you know, that's already exponentially improving the process. But part of it, we, we do a good bit of work on, on developing candidates and helping them think through, you know, their search process. We try to be as high touch as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we do good on that. Other times, you know, but a lot of times it's that whole Andy Stanley, you know, you do for the one which you wish you could do for the many type of a deal. Yeah. But a lot of the work that we're trying to do is encourage, encourage candidates in this process as much as we can. And then the other thing that we really, when we built this, when we built this, the other way that we saw that we could strengthen churches is to help pastors just pay for Christmas and vacation, you know, create an alternative income stream for them. Um, you know, because I, I mean, I'm sure you guys were incredibly well-paid in your ministry roles, <laughs> um, but you know, that's not the, that's, that's not typical. And so we figured we can strengthen churches if we can help, um, you know, strengthen the financial position of some of their, some of the pastors in churches. And so those, that's why we went into it. And that's how we kind of built this out, but it's really more about let's help churches get healthy um, Mm -hmm. than it it is staffing. It just so happens that staffing is our, is the way that we do that. Hmm. And it it seems as though kind of a, a corollary to that, that's come out, or I would imagine that because you're working with these individuals directly, and like you say, very hands-on, uh, that you're seeing uh, the context from which pastors are coming uh, and and just the, you know, the difficulties that that layers on then to to yeah. the whole process. Um, uh, talk a little bit about that as as you've gotten to know these candidates and heard their stories. So so this is this is it's this has been great. Right. I've, we've been doing chemistry for five years. It's been it's been phenomenal. I've gotten to hear some incredible stories. I've gotten to see some significant life change happen through the churches that we partner with. I've gotten to, to really connect with some guys that really love Jesus, really love the local church, really have a call and, and help them kind of get it in. But on the other side of that, there's, you know, and, and you know, you're talking about, about hope and we're talking about hope renewed and, and pardon me for getting a little dark here, but on the other side of that, the last two years, there's just been a lot of carnage, yeah. right? Yeah. A lot of carnage. And we, we are constantly having conversations where um, we, we call it in-house, we call it the Home Depot conversation where it's, hey, you know, I, 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 I get where you've been. I have lived that. I've walked through that season maybe this is a good time to kind of step back. Ministry is going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, go, you know, find a role that helps you pay the bills that you can disconnect from after you walk out at the end of the day, care for your wife, care for your family, make sure they don't hate the church and ministry is going to be there. Your calling is, is going to be there. And so we have a lot more of those conversations here these last two years mm-hmm. than, than in the entire life of the organization. I mean, that's why I'm so grateful for you guys 
because it's a, you know, in so many ways, it's a landing place for guys that are just coming out and just had the snot kicked mm. out of them through, through the last couple of years of ministry. And so, you know, really, really have had some great opportunities to walk with guys in transition and encourage them and help them find a spot. But a lot of our conversations too here lately have been, you know, Hey, take care of yourself, get healthy because your, mm. your church is going to need that. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, this is the unpopular conversation that we have. Sometimes we'll have um, people who have gotten, you know, who, who have um, been asked to resign, you know, mm-hmm. in the last three weeks that are already putting their resumes out and look great on paper, but you can just tell they're, they're just, they're gutted. Yeah. yeah. And, and so many times the conversation is, man, you do not need to jump back in right now. Take some time, get, get healthy. So sorry, sorry for that little, that little ray of sunshine on this, but I mean, <laughs> that, that's a lot of the conversations. That's the having. reality, isn't it? Yeah. That, uh, and you know, we, we have a mantra that I hate uh, around <laughs> PIR, but, but, but it, it's, it's so true. Time is your friend. Yes. I, and I heard that over and over again from Roy Yankee. Uh, and I just, I wanted to choke him, but it, it really <laughs> is the, the truth uh, and, and yet it's so hard to receive that for a lot of pastors, mm-hmm. particularly, it's my little theory, particularly when they've been traumatized by an exit. And yep. the one way to deal with that trauma is to get into another role so they don't have to think about the trauma. Yep. Um, yep. How, how have you dealt with that pushback? You know, so... I- a few ways, you know, a lot of the conversations we have is, is just helping people realize one ministry is different than any other career path out there. And, and you can disagree with me on that, but you're wrong and that's okay. (laughs) Um, But it, but it is, Um, you know, I I look at, I I don't know if you guys are are familiar with um, Starbucks's third space um, concept where, you know, your first space is, you know, your family life, your second space is your work life. The third space is, you know, the community and they want to be the place where the community comes together and, you know, stole a concept from the church and now they're making billions. Um, What we, what I believe wholeheartedly is there's no such thing as a third space for a pastor, right? Mm -hmm. Our lives are intimately connected, family, community, work. It is one space. And because of that, when, when work life is going rough, it is definitely, I mean, deeply impacting what's going on with your family. Just watch in church conflict, how your kids and how your, how your spouse reacts to that. Right. Yeah. Um, So home life, work life, community space is all the exact same thing. And so when, when we go through a rough transition like that, we don't necessarily have the same resources to lean on that somebody that's an accountant, you know, that, that, you know, is, has their, is laid off, you know, has, I mean, those people can go, they can, they can lean on their church. They can lean on their spouse, that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. and not necessarily, you know, be isolated and alone. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so part of, part of what we have to communicate is just understand that because of the calling that God has placed on you, your life is going to be way different. And you need to understand that the other piece of it, and, and we all try to say that, the, no, this isn't me, but our identity is so often so ingrained into being a pastor, 
right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think there's a piece of it where we need to understand that that is our identity because of how set aside and, and the, the difference of what the role is. But so often, because our identity is so wrapped up in that, our first instinct is, oh, I got to get back to what I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost, you know, pardon the phrase, it's almost like a junkie, you know, looking, looking for their next hit because that's, that's what they do, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for, for many of us, you know, we look at people who have left ministry and we kind of, you know, we're, we're nice about it and we put on a good front, but somewhere in the back of our head, it's like, ah, you know, they just couldn't cut it. Well, Mm. well, no, no, you know, maybe Mm. they're taking a working sabbatical so they can get healthy and don't go blow up their next church. And I think a lot of times, you know, if we can realize that our identity is kind of forcing us into something that may not be healthy and, and can realize, Hey, maybe it's in the best interest of my family. Maybe it's in the best interest of my next congregation. And, and maybe it's in the best interest of my soul to take some time to step out. You know, maybe that's what, you know, maybe that's what we're really being called to in this season. And that's Mm -hmm. an okay thing. I think that's an incredibly healthy thing. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you, you haven't asked this, and this is where Matt goes all to the dark place again. <laughs> one, one of the things that I'm a little bit nervous about right now, um, I think we're probably 24, maybe 36 months out from a wave of moral failures like we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. You know, we have spent two years being frustrated, being isolated, and honestly being exhausted. Yep. And you know, you know how well that works in the life of a pastor. And we've seen a wave of people that have left. A lot of them are out selling real estate right now. Um, I think those guys, honestly, were the healthy ones because they're, they're stepped out. They recognized for whatever reason, this isn't a good time for me to be pastoring. And so I'll go do something. Maybe they come back, maybe they don't. But I think we've got a wave of guys that are just kind of hanging on because I'm a pastor. This is all I know how to do. You know, I went to seminary. What options does that have for me professionally? Right. Um, and, and I think there's, there's some ticking time bombs out there. I hope I'm wrong on that. I really, really do. Um, but I was an executive pastor. So I'm, you know, part of my job was to look at the, look at the bad news. Right. <laughs> yeah, That's right. So Matt, I want to highlight a little bit of what you said. It's kind of been a recurring theme on our show that pastors really need to figure out who they are if they're not in that role as a pastor yeah, or kind of separate their identity in Christ from their, their role as a pastor. And um, this is, this is important because it keeps us uh, from being too over identified uh, with our work. Yeah. Uh, are you seeing that, that trend in, among pastors? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll have conversations with guys that are just like, I don't know what else I can possibly do, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, the cool thing is we're living in a world where soft skills are just absolutely in demand because, you know, we're so used to texting and, and emailing and don't know how to deal with people face to face anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a lot of room for pastors to go out and take that skill set that they had. If they can set a, set aside this idea that, you know, I need to be, you know, the, guy up on stage week in, week out, you know, you know, sharing the message you know, ministry. And you guys know this ministry can happen in any, any venue, any format, anything like that. Um, we just kind of need to get over ourselves and be willing to kind of lean into that back. Um, 
oh my, it must've been about 20 years ago now. That makes me feel old. Um, I was, um, I left a church in Northern New Jersey. It was pretty unhealthy. Um, and it was just, I established one of, one of my rules for, for ministry going forward is that if I had to be on antidepressants in order to serve at the church, I probably needed to not be at that church. Wow. Um, and so I took, I took a season where I spent about 18 months selling cars. Okay. I had a youth ministry undergrad, which pretty much meant I could go and work at Domino's. They didn't have Uber then. So it's like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to go sell cars. And I tell you what, um, I learned so much about ministry in that season, but, you know, and, and learned how to shepherd people in weird situations. Um, it was amazing. And it was one of those seasons of life where I did, I probably did more pastoral ministry in that season than I did the eight years before as a youth pastor, just because I was able to walk alongside people making these massive financial decisions or, or other people that I worked with, they, they found out through the grapevine that I used to be a pastor and they come sit on the couch in my, in my cubicle and just start mm-hmm. saying, Hey, help me, help me think through this. Um, and so those options are out there and, and you can do some incredible ministry in the marketplace if you're willing to set aside the robe or the, you know, the, the, the need to be able to be up in front of everybody on a weekly basis preaching. So not sure if that's what you're asking, but that's, that's what comes to mind. So So ministry doesn't stop when you stop being a pastor. That's, that's really good to hear. Oh, it better not. Yeah. So, so (laughs) what are some of the encouraging things that you might be hearing in the lives of pastors? Tell us, tell us some good news here, would you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm the gloom and doom guy, aren't I? You know, I'm still I'm still pretty excited about the local church. You know, we've we've heard a lot about the division and the fights and all that kind of stuff. But man, at the same time, you know, one of the churches that we're working with um, up in the Northeast, they've come through a season of, of pretty significant transition. And man, they, they're baptizing like 25 people since the beginning of the since the beginning of the year, right? Mm-hmm. You know, church of wow. maybe running four or 500 on a Sunday morning and they're having significant outreach and they're starting to see growth, right? Um, we're seeing a bunch of, bunch of churches that I know of that, are, that I've been working with. They took, they took the pandemic as a great excuse, you know, to kill off some of the sacred cow ministries that mm-hmm. they've hated for years, but, you know, some great saint from, you know, 50 years ago started this and how dare we even think about, you know, but they, they were able to, to do that to make a pivot and start to reallocate their resources and, and look at things a little bit differently. And they're starting to see growth. You know, one of, one of our churches um, up, in, up in the Columbus, Ohio area, you know, they picked up like a thousand people in the pandemic because all of a sudden everybody's job became pastoral care. Mm. And it's let's call people every week. Let's touch them. Let's make sure that they know that we haven't forgotten them. Let's ask them if they need toilet paper early on. You know, let's ask them if they need rides to get vaccines or whatever. I mean, you know, you've got to be careful on that one these days. But, you know, let's but but they're they're saying, hey, how can we get in? How can we get involved with you? Mm-hmm. Right. So much of what we're telling our churches is right now is this is a great opportunity for us to, to kind of retool. And to start thinking about doing pastoral ministry again, instead of, you know, instead of bringing specialists on your team to bring people who understand how to really pastor and shepherd people. I think, I think people are hungry for that. You know, Mm. there's a lot of people that, that are at places now where they're willing to ask questions. And if we're, if we're willing to kind of lean in and really be accessible, really be there, I mean, 
I think the, the fields are, I mean, the fields are ready and they've been ready for, for years, right? But the opportunities that we've got right now to be able to lean into people's lives, bring encouragement, bring hope and, and, mm-hmm. and bring the gospel um, is, is pretty cool. We just need to be willing to kind of lean into it and maybe, maybe make a couple shifts, you know, from what we used to do. But it's it's there. It is it is there. And, and I was going to say that there's a lesson for pastors in all of that about letting the church be the church and helping the church be the church, uh, instead of this uh, professional expectation that the pastor does everything. Yeah. Uh, and boy, to me, that's really hope giving. I mean, oh yeah, <laughs> if I would. Um, it's it's just are they embracing that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to steal your question here, Sean. So. <laughs> You, you got at Kempis Staffing. I think Todd wrote an article called uh, uh, "Just a Reflections on the Great Resignation," yeah, uh, and how that's impacting pastors. Um, t- just tell us a little bit about that. What is the Great Resignation? How do you see that uh, impacting churches and, and pastors, and particularly how uh, they're going to move forward from from here? You know, we we've heard about the Great Resignation outside the church, you know, ad nauseum, but it's, it, it really is hitting, hitting the, the church itself. You know, we have noticed um, it started as a trickle early in the pandemic, people leaving and going to sell real estate, all that kind of thing. A lot of them went to sell real estate initially, um, just kind of walking, walking away. We saw, um, this is, this is another area where people get upset with me because they tell, they think I'm wrong on this. I'm not. The two roles that took the pandemic the hardest, I'm convinced are worship and youth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let me, let me tell you why. March of 2020, the pastor walked into either the youth guy or the worship guy's office, depending on who was most tech savvy and said, Hey, I need you to innovate us 30 days, 30 years in 30 days. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden their role became being the online campus pastor. And that was their 40 hours a week, right? Or 50 or however many. Mm-hmm. Um, then all of a sudden we started going back in person. Now you guys have been in church long enough. You know how this works. It's like, we're not going to stop doing the online stuff. We need you to keep doing that, but we also need you to do your real job too. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden their workload doubled. Mm-hmm. And you guys know, you know, most of us pastorally, we're good soldiers. We'll grit our teeth. We'll do what we need to do. And so most guys said something along the lines you know, whether consciously or subconsciously, Hey, I'll, I'll grip my teeth. I'll make it through Christmas. 2021 is going to be so much better. <laughs> and how's well, that working for you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So 20, 2021, you know, and, and if somewhere around March and April of 21, we watched those two roles in particular, um, leave ministry. Mm-hmm. just leave, leave their church. They're just at the point where they're, they were burnt out. They were tired of not seeing their kids. Um, they had all sorts of questions about, Hey, how effective am I really being? Am I really cut out for this? All that kind of thing. But they left in, in droves. And so all of a sudden, you know, a youth search used to be pretty straightforward. Um, overnight, the, the candidate pool got younger and, and got way less experienced. Same, same thing with worship. So it was those two roles that we saw really take a hit, but it's, it's up and down the, 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 the spectrum, you know, lead pastors, senior pastors, you know, solo guys, all, all types of pastors have been, have been stepping back. And there's a lot of reasons for it. Um, burnout, you guys get, you know, just tired of, tired of the sheep bites. 
Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the conflict that we are seeing in our congregations over some of this political stuff is just it's it's you know discipleship issues from way back that are coming back to bite us. Um, and so we're watching a lot of people just get run out of their churches because you know they're not they're not conservative enough or they're not, you know, they're not saying this or they're not saying that. I mean, they've been wrong on every decision they made over the last two years, mm. right? Yeah. Regardless of what they decided. Um, and so they, there's, there's a lot of people leaving. The other piece of this is, um, and we, we alluded to this earlier, you know, the financial strain of ministry has been really tough mm-hmm. with the movements to get minimum wage um, up to $15 an hour or higher. Um, there's a lot of churches who all of a sudden their financial packages are looking less and less oppressive. Mm-hmm. Now, I think Amazon's average is like 18 bucks an hour now, but there's a lot of Amazon roles that are paying 40 or 45 a year, you know, plus really decent benefits and mm-hmm. tuition reimbursement and all that kind of thing. And, and you can leave that and don't have to worry about Jeff Bezos calling you at the 930 at night on Monday because of <laughs> how much he hated the sermon, right? Mm-hmm. Or this worship was too loud. And so that's pretty attractive to people to be able to go and to check out. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of that right now for, for all those different reasons. Um, I, I think in some ways, I think this is really good for the church. I think there's a lot of people that are pressing pause that have probably needed to press pause for a while, mm-hmm. but I also, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this causes us to kind of stop and rethink on our church models and say, Hey, how do we do this in a more sustainable way? How do we do this in a way that we're not, you know, we're not burning through people as much as we used to? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we do this in a way that encourages more people to kind of get involved in the process so the weight isn't on one man, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or how do we how do we restructure our staff in a way that allows us to pay people enough to be able to live and you know not not get rich, but at least live a sustainable, healthy life. Mm-hmm. So. That's, that's some of what we're seeing. Again, it's, I feel like I keep taking us to the dark place, but that's, that's part of what we're seeing. So Matt, I, I want to follow up on that. Um, one of the things we're seeing in the great resignation is employees are saying, I, I don't want to be treated like dirt anymore. I want to be treated like a human being and like I'm valued and respected. Um, what are you seeing the church needs to change in order for pastors to feel that way? I think the easiest place to start is how we approach our, our salary structure. You know, there are, there are some churches that are really generous and, and really healthy and, and, and do this really well. Right. And, but, but a lot of times um, we just, we, we don't realize, you know, how much it genuinely costs to live in an area. Mm-hmm. We don't realize, you know, we, we had a conversation with a, with a church a while back that said, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a teacher and I don't even make that much. It's like, oh, okay, but I'm also looking at the benefits package that you're not giving this person, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think the salary might have been might have been 10 grand over what a teacher was making, all inclusive, you know, go find your own health care. Mm-hmm. And so part of part of what we're what we're encouraging people to think through is hey, how do we how do we make sure that our our pastors are cared for financially so that you know, the number one, the number one argument in the marriage is typically around money, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I never argue in my marriage. <laughs> Me neither. 
<laughs> so <laughs> I say that loud enough so that my wife can hear it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so part of, you know, churches will ask us, well, how much should we pay? And, and what we tell people is, hey, you want you want somebody to be able to, you want to minimize the, the tension around finances in a family, right? Mm-hmm. You also want them to be able to be paid enough so that they can model generosity for your congregation. You know, every little girl is going to bring a box of Samoas to the pastor and say, hey, can you, and, and you don't want to force them to a point where they're saying no to everybody and it makes them seem stingy. You know, every kid's going to ask them to sponsor them on his, on, on their, their mission trip to Africa. And so you want, you want your pastor to be able to model the generosity for your congregation. So you need to be able to pay enough for that. And then you want to be able to pay enough for them to actually live in your neighborhood. Um, as, as a, as a youth pastor, you know, I had a church say, well, you can, you know, on what we're paying you, you can afford an apartment 45 minutes from here. <laughs> and, and I, and I looked at him and I said, but but your kids are all five minutes from the church. Don't you want me to be involved in their life? And it's, oh yeah, but we, we can't afford that. And so you know, part of what we need to think through is, is, hey, are we enabling people to be able to, to really root in here and be able to live here and do the job based on the salary that we're giving? So that, that's one of the easiest ways to do it. Um, being able to, to make sure that your pastor is getting vacation, you know, making sure that your pastor has the discretionary funds to be able to take care of some soul care issues, right? Um, if they need, if they need to, to get counseling, they need to be equipped to do that. If they want to find some space to be able to hire a ministry coach or somebody that they can speak to out of your congregation, um, that's, that's another way to support in this area and help, you know, help keep them healthy. I always, and, and a lot of this comes back to funding. Um, it's, it's kind of the nature of the world that we live in. Um, but those, those are the places that you really, that, that you really need to kind of start with. And it, it seems to me that it's kind of a catch 22, right? We, we want churches to learn this, but who's going to teach them? It's going to be the pastor. So yes. I'm going to stand up and tell them they need to be more generous with me. Uh. <laughs> well, and that's, and that's the understanding that, you know, if, if there's a, if there's an elder board, you know, mm-hmm. chair listening to this or somebody on a, in church leadership of some sort, understand pastors, we're awful at standing up for ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, my, my second, my second job, it, you know, I was in, I was in the New York city metropolitan area, you know, and they, they pay me 29 grand a year. And I, you know, it's like, I can't afford this. It meant I had to walk three miles each way um, because I couldn't afford car insurance, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, but I'm a pastor. This is what I'm called to do. Mm. You know, I'm, I make stupid financial decisions because ministry, right. And that's, and that's how we're wired. And we need our, we need our path, you know, so much of, of the dynamic in, in church leadership. Yes. Our pastor kind of is our spiritual leader and needs to be caring for our elder board. But at the same time, there's a mutual voluntary submission piece there where mm. the elder board also needs to understand that they have a, they have a responsibility to care well for their ministry leadership. Mm-hmm. And, and that means, you know, maybe they need to be, you know, making some financial decisions that the pastor doesn't necessarily ask for. Because if you give, if you give the pastor the option between, you know, dumping 10 grand more into children's ministry um, each year, or, you know, giving them another 10 grand, they're going to say children's ministry, 
you know, every time most of them are. Because that's the spiritual answer. That's the, because that's the spiritual answer. answer. That's where life change happens. That's so many times that's where that's kind of a growth engine, pardon the phrase for, for a church. And so they're going to say, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. And they're going to defer and defer and defer. And, and, you know, that's bad for, that's bad for the pastor and his family, but Oh, by the way, that's also, um, that's also going to come back to hurt the church years down the road, right? Mm. Because we're, we're, in a, we're in a season of succession right now mm-hmm. where we've got a lot of pastors of a certain age who have been in a church for you know, 10, 15 years, have never stood up for themselves and never said, hey, I need a raise. And, and the elder board was perfectly happy to never give them a raise. And now the, the churches are finding out that the market rate, pardon the phrase, for, for a new pastor could easily be 50 or 60 grand more than what they were paying their their, mm. their outgoing pastor. Mm. And so try to do a search. I guess in my mind, this all circles back then to what we were talking about before, that it's a healthy pastor who can have those kinds of conversations. Mm-hmm. It's a healthy church that can have those kinds of conversations. Yeah. And how do you develop that health? You know, how do you care for your soul? How do you uh, find that, that identity that's not rooted in in a, a persona or perception, but in a person in Christ. When you're working with a, a, a pastor who's, you know, in this time of transition, just walk with us a little bit. How, how do you approach that? What are, what are some of the things you look for? What are the unique uh, kind of issues or challenges that a pastor faces when they're, especially when they're transitioned in an untimely way or exited out of their role? Yeah, um, a couple, couple things. Um, first of all, understand that you are not going to get emails back. Okay. Understand that. And just because somebody's not responding to your, to your resume does not mean that, um, your exit has disqualified you from ministry. It doesn't mean that you are not a good pastor. It really doesn't mean anything except for churches are really bad at communication. Okay. My, my last search I sent out, um, I sent out resumes, you know, all over the place. I've got an MBA, I've got a master divinity, worked at some great churches, years of experience as an executive pastor. Um, and so I, I am a little geeky. And so I put a tracking pixel in each email that I sent out with a resume in it, right? <laughs> just, just to see, right. Of the ones that were opened, probably 80 to 85% of those churches never sent me anything back. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. no, you know, Hey, um, we've already found somebody. No, here's next steps. No, we got your resume. We'll let you know what we think. No, we hate your guts. Don't ever call us again. You know, nothing, just crickets. And, and honestly, my resume is good, right? That's pretty typical for, mm-hmm. for the experience right now. And this isn't because churches are evil or anything. It's just because, you know, we're asking people that rarely ever do a search to come and do a search after they work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And, and church people don't like giving people bad news. Mm. So we start there. The second thing that I would encourage people to do is just connect in with mentors, with people who you trust to be honest with you. And it's not going to cost them anything. If you understand what I'm saying, right. Mm-hmm. You need people that, you know, um, I think Dave Busby used to call them garden friends, you know, the people that would just be, deeply, deeply honest with you um, because they are invested in seeing you thrive and, and have those conversations with them about whether you're ready to step back in or not. 
Mm-hmm. You know, have you healed? Have you, you know, do you need to wrestle through some of this stuff? Are you ready to step back into? If you are, great. Um, we can we can talk about next steps there. But if not, get the health that you need. Get the help. Third thing that I would say is you're going to need to be able to, to explain concisely what happened at your last church. Hmm. And this is the tricky part. We found if um, when we work with guys like this, we ask you just to kind of take some time and look at your resume and say, hey, what are the what are the areas that churches are going to probe on? You know, maybe you were in place for 14 months. Maybe you were let go. Maybe, you know, the church shut down or maybe maybe there was a church that was, you know, if somebody Googles it, they're going to see that it was involved in a scam. Okay. Be aware of those things on your resume that churches are going to ask about and be prepared for those answers. Right. We tell people go and try to write out three, maybe four sentences concisely, clearly what happened and, and practice them, rehearse them. Talk to, um, I have my wife read all of that stuff through clenched teeth. We call it mean voice, you know, because people are going to hear things in the worst possible light. And so you want people reading it out loud in the worst possible light. And so read through that, rehearse that, make sure it doesn't sound bitter. Church is going to ask you about that stuff and and they should, they really need Mm -hmm. to. Um, But you should also be assuming what are the next follow-up questions? You know, somebody, if you got, if you were asked to resign, you know, they're going to ask, well, what'd you learn out of that? And so be ready to go with that. What you mm-hmm. don't want to do, you want to keep this as concise as possible, because if you can answer this in three to four sentences, it doesn't sound bitter. It doesn't sound like you're still hurting. Um, there might be one or two follow-up questions, but people will move on. Mm-hmm. If, if we're allowed to ramble, mm-hmm. that's when we talk ourselves out of a job. Okay. Yeah. So it's one of the, say your three to four sentences, stop talking, let them ask questions be ready for those follow-ups. And if, and if you're, if you're able to do that and answer those questions with integrity, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. But that's, that's one of the biggest things for guys that are, that are being terminated or forced Mm. out. Understand that if you're, once you're healthy enough to go, that's the big piece that you're going to need to overcome on any, on any interview you have. Yeah. And that, I mean, that does presume they've done the work of finding healing and, and hope in that. If you haven't done the work, a search committee is going to smell it. They're not going to be able to put words to it. But what we think is we think we hide our hurt really well. We don't, mm. we don't, you know, there, there's no hurt, like, like church hurt. Mm-hmm. And we, we think we can, we can cover it up. Um, but a lot of times we just, we will go in and we watch this all the time with guys that haven't processed it. And we think that we did a good job of covering up and then we're not sure why, you know, we, we got rejected. Um, we'll have conversations with the guys all the time where we basically say, Hey, I've lived that I've been there. Don't ever say that again, because it makes it sound like you're bitter and no mm-hmm. church is going to hire you. If you say that mm-hmm. a church search committee, isn't going to tell you that they didn't hire you because they don't think you're healthy enough. Your friends will though. Mm-hmm. And, and you need to rely on those friends to, to yeah. steer you right. So Matt, as you as you uh, just talk about finding uh, that health, that's absolutely one thing that that we are committed to uh, with PIR Ministries, and and God has led us to I think a, a really unique and, and exciting partnership with with chemistry staffing. What excites you uh, about the partnership with PIR? Man, I tell you, I um, I love having people to be able to connect some of our candidates to. 
um, our, our team is made up of pastors, right? You don't get to talk to candidates. You don't get to talk to churches on our team. If you are not either actively serving as a pastor, recently retired, or, you know, jumped into this full-time from ministry, we have, you know, our team understands the context. And there is a part of us that we wish we could sit down with every guy that's coming out of a hard spot and spend the hours that he needs walking through their pain and helping in restoration. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we can't do that. You know, we, we can do for some, um, but we, you know, our capacity to be able to do that is, is pretty limited. And so having people that we can connect hurting pastors to pastors that are just kind of need an outside resource to kind of speak in and understand where they're coming from. That's huge, man. I, I, I'm so grateful for the work um, that you guys are doing because it is, especially now it's so needed. Um, but it's such a part of our heart that unfortunately we can't really do, um, if we're going to do the other pieces of what God has called us to in this season. Right. And so for that, I'm just, I, I really am grateful. I think there's a huge need, um, for restoration in our pastors and, and for that focus to get healthy. And so I'm grateful to be able to partner with you guys in that. So you have, um, a really cool process called uh, a job seeker boot camp. Um, can you tell us more about that and why pastors should be considering this? Yeah. So this is, um, I, I love doing, I love doing these. Basically what we, what we realized is that nobody in Bible college, nobody in seminary really ever teaches you how to get a job. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I'm weird. You know, I did an MBA, I did an MDiv. Okay. <laughs> The MBA was two years of this is how you market yourself so you can get a job. Um, and, and ultimately they push you to high paying jobs so you can give money back to the business school. Right. The MDiv was three years of not that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was, you know, this is how you don't get fired and this is how you preach better. Right. Um, and so what we, what we started to realize is that people need help with their resumes. People need help with answering questions about, you know, why, why were you let go at your last church? Um, people need help understanding just how much the job search process has changed in the last three years, much less five, mm -hmm. 10 or 15, yeah. you know, the day where you expected, you know, a denominational rep, you know, whatever flavor denomination you're coming out of to go and hand a resume to a church and all that kind of stuff and everything to magically happen that that doesn't happen anymore. Um, so what we've, what we've done is we've set up a six, six week cohort where we walk with a group of guys through their job search process. We talk about, Hey, what does your resume need to look like? How do you make sure that you're, you're, you're hitting the right points? Um, how do we make it set out, st stand out from, from everybody else's? We talk a little bit about, you know, what does, what does your cover letter need to say? You know, and everybody's like, Oh, we need a cover letter. Mm. Well, that's, that's part of boot camp. We'll walk through, how do we do interviews? You know, how do we cover those, those, those bumpy parts of our, of our stretch? How do we, mm. how do we talk about some of the struggles that we might've had in our ministry career? How do we, uh, you know, address things for the church, the specific church that we're looking at? Talk a little bit about how to structure our search. You know, a lot of times the, um, the tendency is we, we call it a church staffing bender. Mm. You know, the tendency is to go out and say, <laughs> Hey, they're looking for a lead pastor. I'm going to send them my resume. And next thing you know, you've sent out like 40 or 50 resumes 
and and maybe maybe half those churches you'd never even consider working for. Um, and and part of the conversation is, hey, every resume you send out, it's honestly it's a little bit a bit of your heart going out, mm-hmm. and so we need to be wise in how we structure our search. We need to be wise in, in determining non-negotiables in our search mm. so that we don't you know, add to some discouragement that might already be there. So we talk about how to do some research on churches. My, my, my co-founder, my partner, Todd, is scary. You know, he, he walks through how to go back through previous iterations of a church website to see how many times they've hired for this position in the last five years. And, and know what questions to ask along those lines. And then we also talk about how to negotiate salaries. And that's always fun because, yeah. you know, church and money and those conversations are just great joy. Um, so <laughs> a lot of what we try to do, though, is just really help help you kind of get your, you know, get, get your head straight, understand what churches are looking for and how to how to do the search now, because a lot has changed in over the years mm-hmm. and, and, and do it in a way that that is going to be healthy and sustainable for you and your family. So, um, man, I just have a, a quick question. We kind of haven't hit on this topic yet, but um, you will work with, with both men, male and female pastors, correct? Yeah, we, we work across the denominational spectrum. So in some camps that, that makes us pretty unpopular, but uh, we, we do, we do work across the spectrum. Yeah. We, we just uh, wanted to highlight that because we've been saying guys all along throughout the, the interview or, and, and some will want to connect with you and uh, yeah. may feel left out. So good. How, how can pastors and ministry leaders connect with you? Yeah. Um, chemistrystaffing.com. That's, that's the easy spot um, to, to do that. You guys can go check that out and learn all you want about us. If, if, if you want to follow up with me in particular, if you go to chemistrystaffing.com slash Matt, um, Matt Heifenstein, um, my calendar link is there and I'm, I'm happy to have conversations. Now it gets a little bit bogged down from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, so be graceful with me, but um, always happy to have conversations. Neat, neat. Well, we always like to invite our guests to speak into the hearts and lives of those who are listening. What, what words of hope would you like to offer our listeners today? Yeah. You know, this is, this is something that I need to keep reminding myself too. Um, but you know, God, God's not surprised by, by where you are. Right. I say this to churches. I say this to myself way more times in the day than I probably should. I'm still growing, but you know, God is not surprised by where you are, by the wounds that you have, by the, you know, the, the scars, by the experience that you've had in the last six months. He's not surprised by that. And he, and he wants to, he wants to speak into that. He wants to heal. He wants to empower and encourage you for the, for the season ahead. Um, I have on the, on the inside of my wedding ring is Habakkuk one five. Okay. And, and, you know, church geek, why, you know, put minor profit on the inside of your wedding <laughs> ring, but, but the passage is look at, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that would, that you would not believe even if you're told, right. Great coffee cup verse. Just sounds absolutely amazing, but you know, the context, you know, what's about to happen, right? You know, God's people are just about to get walloped. You know, the army's coming up, going to come down, going to crush everything. But by the time the, you know, the end of the book comes around, you know, the, the prophet is saying, you know, even though there's no food left in the country, you know, the, the, the grapevines are all shriveled up. There's no wheat. There's, you know, I will trust you. And I know that you are at work. And so God is, God is at work 
He is working his redemptive purposes through the situation that you're in. He may not be doing it in the way that you wish he would, but he is at work and, and, and refining us through whatever struggle that we're in. And so I would encourage you guys lean into that and lean into it with others. Find those people that will speak into you, that will tell you the truth, um, that will be gracious with you and will, will help you kind of walk back into a healthy place. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us here on Hope Renewed. We really appreciate your, your time and your generosity. Yeah, it's my pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing. It's a great conversation. And as always, we invite you, our listeners, to rate and review Hope Renewed in iTunes or your favorite podcast app and to share this podcast with your friends on social media. It's a great way to help us continue to bring hope to others. Thanks for joining us today. It is our prayer that Christ's hope abounds in you as you look to him. PIR Ministries partners with God and the church in the work of pastoral renewal and restoration to cultivate new hope for healthy ministry lives. You can learn more about us at our webpage, pirministries.org, or email us at info at pirministries.org. Thanks for joining us for Hope Renewed, and remember, the hope Christ offers will never put us to shame.